Breaking it down with Frank McKay. The most intriguing talk in talk radio. I'd like to welcome everyone to Ransom Notes. Frank McKay here. So much more importantly, Kathy Ransom, our host each and every week. And, you know, every month you'll have a visual version. This uh, this week, this is going to be the first edition ever. This is a this is a special occasion, the first edition ever of Ransom Notes Quick or Quick Ransom Notes. And if you have any ideas on, on a good title for that, but it's going to be a quicker version of Ransom Notes for, for those who are busy and those who want to get a quick uh, one in and listen to another one after. But Kathy Ransom, how are you? Well, this is going to be a quick introduction because we are sort of uh, trying to respect people's time that they have as in a very, very busy world. But I just want to open up by saying I was almost in your state Saturday. Oh. I know, not really, but almost because we went out to the local theater and they uh, have live at the Met right there on the, th- uh, the screen. And so I was sitting in your opera hall there in New York City watching a splendid opera Saturday, and that was more fun. And But I just didn't see you in the audience because you were probably clear over there in the real state of New York. But it is so much fun to uh, be there in the middle of uh, the scene and watch them change the scenes and hear the music and have special interviews that even those in the audience don't get to hear. I just love, I love opera music along with lots of other things so it's been it's been fun but i got a question for you today frank when you hear the word red sea what pops into your head moses and the parting of the red sea ah and that was that was quite an event when you think about that it was interesting i saw a little cartoon I don't know if I can describe it for a listening audience, but the cart, remember it's cartoon, and there is a sort of like a baby basket where there's water on each side, and Moses is a baby in a basket in the dry area between the two sides of the water, and the servant is saying, Moses, I told you, you got to take your bath right now, so instead of he's sitting there in the dry land i know it doesn't sound very funny when we tell it but it was cute when i saw it okay um was that a far side by any chance you remember i'm sorry what was that a far side a gary lawson far side oh i don't know i don't know who did it i i I don't remember i was looking at it it it's funny it's funny when you look at it because he's Well, it's people who can do those kind of things are are just great. Uh, I was reading a piece not long ago by a woman, about a woman, not by her, but about a woman who really had a horrible life. She, uh, uh, her mother died when uh, her sister was born. Uh, the, the young lady was Annie Johnson Flint, in case anybody wanted to look her up, Annie Johnson Flint. Annie was... Uh, Uh, Her mother died when Annie was only three years old. She, her dad could not take care of her. She was given to a widow lady, or the two girls were given to the widow lady to take care of, and she was totally, apparently totally incompetent. It was terrible. So finally, a Christian family adopted the two girls, and 
took reasonably good care of them, but apparently moved a great deal, probably not into situations that were great. So life was really not very good at all. Uh, her parents, her mom was, of course, already dead, and her dad died when by the time she was uh, a young, just a young adult. So she was left by herself. And then about that time, she developed, and this is the horrible part, she's in her 20s, and she develops severe, severe arthritis so that she is unable to do anything but lie in bed and or, and or sit in a wheelchair. It's knowing how that partially feels, I've never, I've never experienced it. I have very little arthritis. But yesterday I visited somebody here at Concordia Village where I live. It's a senior living area that has various levels of people that are able to take care or not take care of themselves. And I visited a friend who has very disabling arthritis. She's much older than a 20-year-old, but she can do nothing, literally, but lie in bed or sit in a wheelchair. So I am reminded of this Annie so much because that's exactly what Marlis is like. And to watch the pain she had yesterday when I was visiting her and reading to her, she's blind on top of it. And to read to her uh, the latest issue of my ransom notes, I go down and try to read that to her because she can't read them herself and they're not, we're, we're going to have them on line so they can be heard, but they're not yet. And it's a good excuse for me to go visit her. And it's sort of tied in with what we're talking about here. So I can really appreciate what this Annie Johnson did. But apparently her spirit was extremely upbeat. I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't know, Frank, if you could only be in bed or in a wheelchair, what, what would it do to your spirit? I mean, it would, uh, it would, you'd have to try very hard to figure out what to do to be the most productive or the most, um, you know, happy, feel the most useful. And, and I, I don't know, I'm, I'm sure that there are people out there that think of Helen Keller, and of course she wasn't in a wheelchair, but I, I mean, with everything that she had going against her and what she, but uh, I and, and it's easy for me to say because I'm able-bodied at this point, so I don't want to sound uh, certainly like, uh, uh, you know, arrogant, not being able to put myself in someone else's place. But I, I guess what you, you think is, is uh, you know, let, let me pray. Let me pray for strength and let me allow uh, the Lord to, to, you know, give me the power to, to do something. Can you write books? Can you talk? You can talk. You can uh, you can uh, talk into a microphone like we're doing now, and you could you could make uh, recordings that could turn into books, and you could do that. You can make podcasts, and you can make radio shows, and you can do all different things like that. So it, I I would think, what can I what can I do to be most helpful here? Obviously, my skipping days and my running days and my walking days are are over at that point, but is there a way that I could serve the Lord? Is there a way I can serve my, my friends and family and loved ones and, and serve the universe uh, from my bed? And that's, 
that's what I would think I would say. But again, I by no means do I want to minimize uh, how difficult it would be uh, to be in that situation. And watching my friend Marlis yesterday, the pain, she was sitting in a chair and she almost in the wheelchair and she almost screamed. She had moved her foot just a tiny bit because we were going to move the wheelchair so that I could sit on the edge of the bed. In doing that, she almost screamed aloud, and I got brought the nurse or the caregiver. She needed her shoe off with a brace that tries to keep her foot just a little less, but it had gotten into a cramp. They tried to get her into the bed. The pain that you could see on her face, and, and she's the kind of bright, has her doctorate degree, has been blind, almost blind all of her life, so she has done lots, but it is a, it's a really is a challenge. And obviously, uh, I have no idea the Annie that we're um, talking about here, or the piece I want to read in just a moment. I have no idea what degrees of pain, but if she's only in a bed or a wheelchair, you know she's, and it's arthritis, you know that she has at least moments of severe pain or she wouldn't be that confined. So I'm going to go back. And they talk about the fact that she's sort of like you're saying, there were things that she could do. And I believe that, that almost anybody can find a way to serve if they really try. And yet I have some caveats there. And I, I just, I'm sure there are times in your life when that isn't possible. She wrote this piece. It's a kind of poetry. And it's called The Red Sea Place. So as I read it, our audience needs to sort of put themselves in the desert area where the sides of the Red Sea are been a wind has come and blown them up, allowing the children of Israel, when they're being chased by the Egyptians because they're on their way trying to go and worship and find the promised land, the Lord opens up the sea. They literally walk through on dry land, and I cannot imagine how frightening that must have been to see the waves and the edge of the sea on either side and there you go with your your children or your husband or your wife at any moment wondering is the wind going to stop and are the red seas going to come down over me but you have to keep moving ahead i mean it's i think sometimes we forget to imagine how frightening that must have been. We just sort of say, yeah, God opened up the seas and he let them walk through and they got through. And then when the uh, the Egyptians came through, they stopped the wind and, and everything came down on top of them. We, we just sort of take it for granted. And it, it really isn't it's something that you can just take for granted. So she writes, among other things, this verse. And she asks a question in the beginning. Have you come to the Red Sea place in your life where in spite of all you can do, there is no way out. There's no way back. There's no other way but through. Then wait on the Lord with a trust serene till the night of your fear is gone. He will send the wind. He will heap the floods when he says, to your soul, go on. Isn't that a powerful piece? Wow. Yeah, you're not kidding. It's kind of like, uh, 
you know, it, it, I wasn't expecting that. And uh, that is, that's heavy. That's a heavy piece. It's beautiful. But I mean, it is, um, it, it's not like, oh, what a nice little piece. It's, it, it, it's, it's a heavy piece. That's a, a very powerful, you use the word powerful. That is a powerful uh, piece of poetry, of prose. And I, and I guess I would ask our audience, have any of them ever come to the time when it's a Red Sea place in their own life? And I tried to think. And I, I, I sort of thought of three times when, no, it wasn't, two of them were not desperate, but, but I, I, I really needed to reach out for help. One of them was, I had gone to college two years to a church-related college, and I felt comfortable there because there were lots of Christians around me, and, and I had come from a very sheltered home, a lovely home, don't get me wrong, but it was very sheltered. And now I'm needing to start at Southwest Missouri State, a state university where I'm in an entirely different atmosphere and environment. And I was scared. I made it through. I quickly had friends. I connected with the church. I'm not complaining. I just know that I had some nights of concern. A second time in my life was when I... I, I did some private consulting. I taught for five years, and then I became a consultant. Suddenly, I'm talking to teachers that I don't know, and I'm trying to tell them how they should, could help, not should, but could help their kids to read better. And I'm suddenly talking to groups of people of 100, 200, and 300 people, and I'm scared to death. If I'm going to say the right things, do the right things, remember the right things, that would be a minor second Red Sea experience. And then I bet you can guess the third one. Was it uh, open heart surgery? You got it. Yeah. I have to admit, Frank, that was still, as I remember it, it was the night before the night before the surgery and that morning. I mean, I really had to pray and hope that the Lord would grab on hard and hang on to me, and he did. But uh, so I, I sort of experience it. But I hope our audience will think a bit about it. Remember that the Lord really can take care of you in these moments of trouble. I know I had a brief prayer with my friend yesterday, Marlison. I reminded I, I reminded the Lord that I hoped he would reach out and hang on to Marlis because if she reaches out and hangs on to him, she might get scared and drop her hand. If he reaches out to her, he's going to hang on for good. And we need to remember it's, I need to be willing for him to hang on to me, but it's he that needs to do the hanging, and I need to do the receptive part in accepting him. But it's been fun talking with you. Same Let's, here. Uh, we're going to make this a little quicker today, so uh, you have you have a good time, and we'll sign off for now. Kathy, uh, thank you uh, so much. And uh, Marlis, uh, a wonderful story here. And, and we'll have a follow-up some, sometime in the future, right? But that what a wonderful story. Frank McKay, signing off. You've been listening to Ransom Notes and Kathy Ransom, our host each and every week. We'll see you next time on Ransom Notes. You've been listening to Breaking It Down. 
with Frank McKay. The most intriguing talk in talk radio. Talk radio.